0: You're listening to a sermon from LifeGate Church of Seguin, Texas. This sermon was preached by Bob Oder, who serves in the pastoral team at LifeGate Church. You can find out more about us at www.lifegatesegin.com. Throw it to the ground like throwing truth to the ground. There will be those who lead in the wrong direction. And so what does Jude say? He says, with all of that going on, with the warning that's been given, we must persevere in the faith that has been revealed to us. We are called to persevere in that once-for-all faith, that which has been revealed to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, the giving of the Word of God, come to us through the apostles, which we now have, That what has come to us through the apostles is written down in, in scripture. So we have been given this. So how do we persevere? Do we just grit our teeth and we say, I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to persevere. If it kills me, I'm going to persevere. Well, thankfully, that's not the picture. Persevere. Our persevering is based on the faithfulness of God. So the call to persevere is not rooted and grounded in, in our strength or our ability, it's rooted and grounded in God's revelation of himself and God's very person and God's ability, as we're going to see. So what does persevering look like? Well, one of the things he talks about, uh, he said, but beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. How do we persevere? Well, it involves praying. Now, That's the easy answer for everything, isn't it? We just pray. Well, maybe we should never use the word just before we use the word pray. But pray. Well, pray in the Spirit, he says. Pray according to the Spirit. Pray in step with the Spirit. God is involved in prayer, and he leads us to know how to pray and what to pray for. And he gives us so much of this, uh, so many prayers in the scriptures as to how to pray even for one another. Remember last week when we were uh, sending out Jacob and Carol as they went back to Africa? What, uh, I learned this from Jake. He's always talking about the prayers in Ephesians 1 and how much he loves them, praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We know something of how to pray because there's prayers just all over the scripture. We know how to pray from that. But the Holy Spirit also guides us, we belong to the Lord. He's guiding us and helping us to see. So when we pray, we're kind of stepping into the right arena for the struggle that is before us. Listen to this. Ephesians 6.12 puts it clearly. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Well, how do you fight that that you cannot see exactly? How do we come against spiritual forces and darkness? We do that in the place of prayer. Praying puts us in the arena where the real battle is. That's not just preacher talk. (laughs) That's not just preacher talk. That is God's gift to us, the gift of prayer. We pray. We pray individually. We pray corporately. We pray. God gives us that gift and we pray because that's where the battle is fought and the battle is won, is in the place of prayer. So he says, what does perseverance look like? Well, part of it is we pray. We're praying people. Pray and step with the Spirit of God. Pray according to the Spirit of God. Pray and God opens doors. What are the Gideons doing? They want the doors of the public school open so you can give out Bibles. What do you do, have a protest meeting or wrap the school with toilet paper like they used to do when I was a kid, wrapping everybody's house in toilet paper, throw eggs? No, we pray. Pray, pray, and pray. He says also, this persevering, what does it involve? Prayer. It involves also, he says, keep yourself in the love of God. Remain in the love of God. I cannot say that without putting it into the context as I, I love to do in Jude. There are three times it uses the word keep or kept. The first is the very, the very first verse. It says, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. We're kept for Jesus Christ. That—that's not. I'm not doing the keeping, I'm kept. You end the book and what do we say? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling. I'm not doing the keeping. I'm being kept. He's keeping me from stumbling. So on two ends here, we've got we're kept and we're be, and he is keeping us. And in the middle, he says, keep yourself in the love of God. Well, how do we do that? Remain in the love of God. We do that in light of the fact that what balances out this fulcrum is that we are kept And he is keeping, so in the middle, rooted and grounded in his ability to keep us, we keep ourselves in the love of God. How do we do that? Well, he he describes it as building yourselves up in your most holy faith. How do we do that? Building yourself up. Well, God's word, God's word is our food. It's our daily food. If we don't have an appetite for the food that gives life, then we have a heart problem. We have to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to love what you have given. You know, it's easy to understand this. I would rather have homemade ice cream and cobbler than I would have a salad or green beans or other such things that are better for you. But don't we have to, if we're going to be healthy, don't we have to eat a healthy diet? And if we're going to be healthy believers, we need to be eating of God's Word. How do we build ourselves up in our faith? Well, one thing is just simply taking the time to study, to read, come next to the Word of God so that it informs our lives. And we may say, but there's so much of it I don't understand, I'll tell you. I'll say the same thing and an old railroad friend from many years ago used to say, I don't ever worry about the things I don't understand in the Bible. I'm just trying to do the things I do understand. Well, it's not all difficult. A lot of it is so clear to us. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. The Word of God, certainly prayer, making that a part of our regular life, fellowship together. Why do you suppose... The writer to Hebrews says, don't forsake assembling together as some are doing. But why? Because we need each other. Wait, Our new members class today was about Colossians 3. About what do we put on as members of Christ's body? What kind of things do we put off as members of Christ's body? But how are we to learn to love and to relate to one another in the church? Well, part of that is going to be keeping ourselves in the love of God, building ourselves up in the fellowship of believers. Being accountable to one another. That's risky stuff. But being accountable to one another, inviting other people into our lives. If you see me heading off a cliff, please tell me. (laughs) If you see me going in the wrong direction, please tell me. If you see me going in the right direction, please encourage me. you see me doing well in parenting, please encourage me and help me. If you see me going the wrong way in marriage or parenting or anything else, please help me. Part of that is just loving one another, building ourselves up. We need to eat the right diet. What do we learn from the prodigal son? You can eat pig's food or you can go home and sit at your father's table. What's it going to be? Pray in the Spirit. Build ourselves up in our most holy faith. And then he says this, waiting eagerly for the Lord to come. Christians, every Christian has this forward look. I see all around me. I see behind me. I can see all this, but in front of me is the coming of Christ. The coming of Jesus. He's going to come for His people. We need to be those who are not only looking for that, but eagerly longing for that. Eagerly longing for the coming of Christ. Because as we walk with Him today, we're going to continue walking and continue walking, continue walking for however many years He gives us, and then we're going to continue walking into eternity. He holds all of it in His hands. And so part of the way that we persevere involves not only our praying not only our building ourselves up keeping ourselves in the love of God but just this whole idea getting our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and and realizing that the life we live right now is eternal life it's going to keep going we're going to shed the body somewhere down the line but we're going to go to eternity so persevere involves all of those things. But in the process of persevering, here's what we discover, that we have assurance from God in this whole thing of persevering. The first part of it, in my way of thinking anyway, is involves us towards others. How do we relate to other people? And, and maybe more specifically to the context of Jude, how are these believers called to relate to those who are being misled by false teachers, and going in wrong directions. What do they do? Well, he gives pretty clear understanding of that kind of thing. And the pull of an ungodly culture, the pull away from the gospel is very strong today as it was then. What about those who are being affected and influenced by that culture? Well, he says, first of all, have patience with those who doubt. I am very grateful for people in my life who when I was going through times or when I am going through times when I have doubts, that they are patient with me and show mercy. Not those who say, shame on you. But those who say, let me bear that burden with you. Let's see what we discovered. Doubts, it's okay to be doubting sometimes but we don't want the doubt to control. And so what do we do with others as we hope for ourselves that there's mercy toward those who doubt? But then he gets stronger. Snatch others from the fire. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, it's like I said earlier. If you see me running headlong, full blast toward a cliff, and you know I'm going to go over, I would hope you would not be like... Uh, Come, Bob, come this way. Come away from the. I would hope you would be a little more proactive, maybe stand between me and the cliff edge and say, stop! Warn! Love somebody enough to say, you're going the wrong direction. I love you and care for you. May I say this to you? Love somebody to that extent. John Calvin is the one who put this image in my mind when he was... Writing about this passage, he said, It would not be enough to beckon with the finger or kindly to kindly stretch forth the hand. Snatch them from the edge of the cliff. Snatch them back from the fire, if at all possible. I know it's not all up to us, but thank God for those who would lay down their lives right in front of us to say, this is not right. literal example in my own life not long after I was saved I was so hungry I went everywhere good churches false teaching churches I didn't know one from the other I was at a church that did not teach the truth really just enough of the truth to get you in the door but then really off base and the elders of the church were around me (laughs) and we're saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. I mean, they were putting pressure on me to do and be something. I thought, I just simply gave my life to Christ a few weeks ago. I thought I was walking with the Lord. Say, oh no, you need to do this and do that. In walked one of my best friends, Cindy's brother, who walked in and sat next to me and he said, Bob Odom, if you have not rightly experienced the grace of God in your life. I'm sorely misunderstanding what it's all about. Why don't we get up and leave? And I got up and left. I didn't go back. But <laughs> it was false teaching. But I will always appreciate Darrell. Always appreciate other people through my life who when they saw me running headlong for a cliff, Threw themselves in front of me. And they didn't say. They said, Get out of here! You know, or snatch me back from the fire. I'm so grateful. And that's part of what happens when we're persevering. We're given assurance. God will have people and things in place to help us during those certain times. So we. Show mercy to other people, even in times of doubt. Snatching others back from the fire. Hating even the staining of clothing by sins. Hating even the the appearance of something. Hating the garment stained by the flesh, it says there in verse 23. Realizing, I, I could be deceived. I need the Lord. Part of the assurance He gives is that He will give us help. Now, here's the basis for it. The strength for that is in God. It's not just in Daryl or a person or anything else. It's not only in that. But it's the Lord moving and working in us. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. It's an amazing thing. He is able. And what is He able to do? Keep us from stumbling. But what is it going on to say? I'm, this is astounding. And to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. Would there be anybody in this room that if you were to think of one adjective to describe you, it would be blameless? It wouldn't be me. I'm not blameless in myself. There's no way that that would even fit. That word is used normally in the New Testament to refer to Jesus when it refers to Him as the lamb without blemish. No mar, no spot, no wrinkle, no nothing, nothing wrong. The lamb without spot. But here, it's used of us. Blameless? Well... Where do we get such blamelessness? Only from Jesus. Here's the deal. You all know it. You all know it. My sin put upon Him. He bore that sin on the cross. And in exchange for that, not only gave me forgiveness, but His righteousness put into my life. So that when I stand before the Father on the day of judgment, Jesus presents us to the Father on that day. We're considered blameless because we have His blamelessness and He has our sin. Second Corinthians 5.21, if you want to look it up. But over and over again throughout Romans and throughout the New Testament, that truth is taught. Okay, you know, Satan is often called in the New Testament the accuser of the brethren. There's nothing he likes more than to accuse you and to accuse me, to accuse us, or to get us accusing one another, the accuser of the brethren. But I was reminded this week of that time when Jesus walked the earth. It's recorded in John 8. And the woman who was caught in adultery was brought to Jesus and thrown at his feet. And everybody reminded Jesus. You know, the law of Moses said that we should stone her to death. And Jesus said, well, if you don't have any sin, you pick up the first stone and throw it. If you're blameless, you throw the first stone. Pretty soon everybody just walked off. And Jesus said this. He said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, well, they're not around. And He said, I don't, I don't condemn you or accuse you either. He did tell her, don't go back into that life of sin. But he says, neither do I condemn you. Where's the accuser of the brethren when you and I stand before God on the day of judgment? Knowing that we are guilty people and on our own strength, we are not blameless. The blameless Son of God comes to our side and says to a holy Father, I gave my life for this person. He's righteous before me. He's blameless. That's what it says. To Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, that would be in this present life, and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. I can just almost see Jesus leap for joy. This one is blameless. I took His blame and His guilt. I took her blame and guilt. And now you, my righteousness, Belongs to him or her. Where is the accuser of the brethren at that time? He didn't have any ground to stand on. Because Jesus' word is stronger. So what holds us? What secures us fast to Christ? Well, our most holy faith that has been handed down to us by the apostles, by the prophets who gave us warnings about all that is to come, who told us to persevere in that faith, told us how to persevere in that faith, and gave us the assurance that all of that is based upon the faithfulness of God. Because, you know, we are called to watch and to follow, but He is called and He does. He guards and He keeps. We watch and we follow, but He guards and He keeps. Now, is our faith in Him justified? Well, how about this? Look at the words that are given to help us. If we want confidence that we really can be helped to persevere based on who Jesus is. Listen to the words that he uses. Four words. The very last verse. To the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be what? Glory. Now it's a cool thing. The word for glory is doxa, like doxology. Doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Doxa, because in God there is strength that he describes as glory. And then majesty. Now, the word for majesty is a cool word, also. Uh, the word, this is not all cool, but the prefix is cool. I don't know the rest of it, it's just kind of a long word. But megalosune. But mega. Talk about the majesty of God. He uses that, even the Greek used the word mega. You get this idea. There's something big going on here. Well, we need to have that because what does it say? That our, our only God, our Savior, through Jesus our Lord, be glory, mega, majesty, dominion means control, power, authority. Power and authority is His. Jesus said it. All authority on heaven and earth. In heaven and on earth. All authority, all power, same word, has been given to me. Therefore, make disciples of all nations. So, who is it that says he's able to keep us? The one who has glory, majesty, dominion, power, and authority. And on the basis of his faithfulness and who he is and what he is, you and I are commanded to persevere in this faith. Now, here's the deal. Perseverance is one of those words. We don't just need perseverance so that we can persevere in the faith to the end, into into eternal life, and persevere in just just, uh, salvation issues. Perseverance is one of those things that helps us all the way through life in so many ways. Let me close with just a few examples to you. Always be suspicious when a preacher says, let me close. But here, I'm, I'm, I'm heading there. <clears throat> perseverance applies to every area of life. Think about, first of all, marriage. Marriage requires perseverance. Learning to relate to one another in times of joy and celebration, but also in times of conflict and suffering persevere this is and keep in mind this is not a command without roots <laughs> to persevere the command to persevere the root of it is God's faithfulness it's not just our determination so persevere in the roughest times and in the best of times persevere in singleness too those who are single you have to have a, if you're single you have to have a certain kind of spe, of Special perseverance in your life. To be able to be faithful based on the faithfulness of God and glorify God in a single life. I think that might not be easy. I haven't been single since I was 20, so I speak as one who doesn't know very much about singleness. But I also know that there are specific challenges where we need to be rooted and grounded in the greatness of God so that we can be leading a godly single life. Same in marriage. There's got to be a love that perseveres, love that is not on the back burner. In your marriage, is love sort of on the back burner? Or is it front and center? I've always appreciated the ministry, whether, whether you like their music or not. Steve and Annie Chapman sort of committed their lives as musicians to singing writing music about family life. And one of the things that I've loved the most, they have a song called The State of the Union, where a husband and a wife get together and they say, I'm going to give a State of the Union address to you, and I'm going to give a State of the Union, the union of our marriage, to you. And they have a common line in that. And here's what it is The more you have given yourself to God, the more you have left for me. There's something that broadens our horizons, broadens our ability when we are totally given to the Lord and keep our eyes and our focus on Him. There's something that gives us a a greater capacity to love people and specifically loving a spouse. Persevere. Persevere in parenting. Not giving up when the fruit that you've always hoped to see is not yet evident. Maybe the maturity is not there. I'll tell you something, I believe there are very few times in my life I think God specifically spoke to me. But years ago, when we started LifeGate Christian School, I felt like <clears throat> I was a fruit inspector. And I was just looking for fruit growing on trees. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, your job, as he would say, to a parent, your job is to help the tree grow in the right direction and to be healthy so that when the time of fruit comes, it'll be there. But to be a fruit inspector prematurely is very discouraging. (laughs) In parenting, I think it's important to help the tree grow strong, securely, rooted properly. Ties out here, guy wires, whatever it takes, help that tree to grow in the right direction. Trusting God that the time will come when fruit will be born. Perseverance is required there. Perseverance is required in our finances too. You know, <clears throat> here's a here's a balance in finances. Be faithful. Be generous. Uh, We may say, well, it's easier to be generous when you have plenty, and it is. But to have a generous heart when we don't have plenty is an equally important thing. To have generosity kind of characterize the the umbrella of our finances. Generosity and thankfulness, gratitude. Just, Lord, I'm grateful for times of Plenty, and I'm grateful for times of want. Both encourage us to move toward the Lord. In times of want, it's pretty easy to understand the concept of need, and that carries over into every area of our life. I need the Lord. Friendships, peers, extended family, learning the place of steadfast love as we learn to persevere rooted and grounded in who God is and His faithfulness. We can encourage, we can comfort, we can come alongside. You know, there's, I love this, there's a, in, in Romans 8, it talks about the Holy Spirit helping us. You know, the image that is given there is often like if, you're, if you've got a, a beam, let's say, I don't know, let's big old 12 by 12 beam, can you imagine? Or a railroad tie or something. And you picked up one end. All you can do is pick up one end. And you're just dragging it along, walking like this. The Holy Spirit comes and He helps us. The word that is used there is like one who comes and picks up the other end. What a relief. We can walk together, bearing the load. Uh, We're not excused from bearing some of the load, but the Spirit helps us in our infirmities. The Lord helps us. And in our friendships, in our relationships, in our dealing with peers, extended family, we want to encourage, comfort, warn, come alongside, pick up the other end, do all that we know to do to help in those relationships. And finally, in our priorities. How do we establish priorities in relation to this persevering life that God calls us to? Well, keeping the main thing the main thing. We can get so complicated in so many ways when we sometimes just need to be reminded, simply keep your eyes on the Lord, keep in His Word, keep in fellowship with other people, pray earnestly, keep your focus in the right direction, and everything else tends to find its place in life's priorities. That requires a constant reminder, though, that my hope, my hope is not in my wife. My ultimate hope is not in my girls, or in my grandkids, or in my finances, or in the church, or anywhere. My hope is in the Lord. And along the way, everything else finds its right priority. My wife, my children, my grandchildren, my finances, my friends, my peers, everybody. Everything finds the right priority when I know that our hope is in the Lord. And our call to persevere is possible because God is so faithful to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with Great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, that your call to persevere doesn't just come to us as some kind of an impossible burden to bear. But it comes to us with the assurance that our persevering is really rooted and grounded and based and built upon foundationally your faithfulness, your ability to hold your people, to keep us. Lord, as we pursue to be keeping ourselves in the love of God, we thank you, Lord, that we see clearly from your word that you're the one that's the keeper. You're the one, Lord, who helps us to know that we are kept by You. And so, Lord, hold us fast. Hold us securely in Your presence, in Your life, in Your hands. And let us, Lord, be those who follow You, love You, focus on You, hold You first in our hearts that we might be held fast by you. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.